0: Welcome to the Animal Rescue Podcast, which you've always wanted to know, but didn't know who to ask. We will be talking with different people throughout the animal rescue world, finding answers to the questions you've been wondering. All right, we are good. So I am so excited to have you as the first official guest on this podcast. I'm very Um, honored. I really just wanted to start this as a way so I have started working a lot with the local animal shelter Mm -hmm. fostering and helping to coordinate rescues and all that and realized that um there's a lot more to this world than I think a lot of people would even think (laughs) um and the most jarring thing was we originally lived in Minnesota and moving to Alabama the Animal rescue world is a completely different beast. Um, the, the culture is just very different, and so that's where Bubbins comes in. <laughs> um, I was so excited to find these books. I think it's it's so great to have something for kids to look at, um, and to have it be based on a real dog. Um, so if you want to talk a little bit about how Bubbins got started.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, so one day, my wife, when I was traveling for work, she reached out to me and she let me know that she saw a 10 um, year old um, senior dog who had been diagnosed with thyroid cancer and they were just looking for a, a hospice home for him, you know, to kind of let him live out his last days in a loving uh, environment and something that was comfortable for him. And, you know, I really just had one question from my wife at that time, you know, what kind of dog was it? And she told me that, you know, he was that his, he was a pit bull. And frankly, you know, I had grown up in a house where my father was, you know, in the insurance world. Um, you know, I had heard everything from the mainstream media telling me how terrible pit bulls were. And it kind of gave me a little bit of pause. And I asked my wife, Michalina, I said, are you sure, you know, that's a good idea? And she said that I was not very smart and that I, and that, in, and that I had no idea about the true nature of pit bulls. So I, at the time about a, I was planning about a month later to ask her to marry me. So I just wanted to be on her good side. So I, I of course just said yes. And pretty much from the first day I met him, he just took all of the expectations that I had of a pit bull um, and turned them upside down. And he was just so loving, just so present and, just so sweet. And, you know, you could tell, you know, by looking at him, he had really been through a lot. Um, and about six months into having him as part of our family, he had really just stole my heart. And he was laying on top of me one night, and we were just watching television, and I looked at him. And I saw that you know his ears had been clipped off, his teeth had been shaven down flat, and he had scars all over his head, his neck, and his body. And I asked myself, you know, how could anybody ever do this to a living being? And I thought, you know, this is never gonna stop because there is just there's just so much of it going on. And I had remembered back to when I got my master's degree in counterterrorism and homeland security that you know for 95 percent of the classes we were learning about how to kill the terrorists how to cut off the supply chain how to cut off the money how to cut off you know them getting uh weapons right but one professor came in from georgetown and he said listen you know the only thing that's ever been proven to stop terrorism long term is education and in that moment when i looked at gibson and i said you know how is this ever going to stop boom that's what popped into my head it has to be education and that's where our slogan comes in we can spay neuter shelter foster and adopt but until we educate it won't stop and i truly believe that you know all of those other things are absolutely 100% necessary but at the same time you know it's just kind of like sticking your it's kind of like sticking your fingers in a boat to try and, and plug the hole you know and, and we really need to go to the root of the issue, which is education, of course. So, you know, I had never written a book in my life, let alone a children's book, but I knew that, you know, this was something that needed to be done. So I just started writing it, honestly, in my head on the way to and from my commute to work. And it came out pretty good, and yeah. uh, we decided to we decided to move forward with it, and uh, that's how Bubbins became uh, Belly Rubbins for Bubbins. Yeah, that's how it started.
0: That's so amazing! I love it. And so, did you get into schools right away, or how? What was kind of the transformation?
1: So you know, originally we we were really we were really hoping that we could reach so many kids right through you know parents buying it or aunts and uncles buying it or you know just being the book being given as gifts Mm -hmm. and then you know of course there's the educational component but we realized after a while that you know even if we were to you know get a million books out there the books wouldn't necessarily be reaching the kids who needed it the most because the kids who needed it the most wouldn't have a parent or you know, an aunt or an uncle or a friend that would be giving them this sort of book. So we realized we needed to get into schools. And um, my mother happens to be a teacher and she invited me to come back to my old elementary school uh, in Poughkeepsie, New York. And that's where I did my uh, my first workshop. And then after that, you know, we, we built out, um, you know more of a, a grand workshop with materials and a an ed- humane education video. And yeah, we've been to 20, over 20 schools um, in the last year and a half and we've educated over 6,000 kids in person. And that includes over 400 middle schoolers also.
0: That's amazing.
1: Thank you. That's
0: so cool that you've been able to have such a huge impact so quickly. Um, what, What have you learned from the kids that you've been, that you've presented this to?
1: I've learned that, you know, Kids are very resilient and kids, when you make them aware of an issue, they truly want to help. They don't shy away from it. You know, that's the thing that really amazes me is when you hand an adult the Bubbins book, you know, some of the adults, they flip through, you know, one page is two page, two pages, three pages, and then they can't handle it. It's like, Oh, I can't, you know, see that dog that's sad in front of his bowl or, you know, I can't see a dog that is, you know, not being treated well. Right. And immediately they put the book down and, you know, they they mosey on right with kids. Well, why are they treating him mean? You know, what happened to Bubbins? How can we help him? And that's what really amazes me about kids is they know right from wrong. They know inherently right from wrong. And when you show them a situation that is wrong, they want to they actually want to get involved. Whereas adults, you know, it's just like it's too much. I can't see it. I've got to move on. And that's what really amazed me.
0: Yeah. And, and I will say that was one thing when I first read the book, I was like, this is just so sad. Like, I know this happens, but this is just so sad. Um, but it really is. I mean, it's a very sweet ending. And then you also have your, the, the second book, Bubbin's First Day Home. Yeah. Um, how, how do you think that we can get adults to take this humane education more seriously and get more connected with it?
1: Well, I think that one of the main issues in society as a whole, not just with the rescue world, is that as adults, we have chosen entertainment over education, where there is just so much mindless television, so much mindless, you know, things on the internet, um, you know, on Instagram and Facebook for us to just scroll through that we've really lost the meaning of life, right? And the meaning of life is to to have meaning, right? And to make a contribution to the world. And I think that the way that this will spread further is when parents start to realize that, you know, it may be hard for them at their age to make the concerted effort to choose education over entertainment, but they have an obligation to their children and to society and to the world to not let their kids sit in front of you know a mindless television show or you know scroll through you know mindless you know internet posts uh, you know my wish is that parents would understand that by reading you know belly rubbins for bubbins they're actually educating their kids in an entertaining way and then allowing them to make a difference in the world moving forward and it's incumbent upon parents to see that, although maybe our parents also, you know, didn't understand it when we were young, now they get it and they have to make the better choices for their children.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, <laughs> it's, it feels very obvious, but at the same yeah. time, I think that's one of the harder things. Okay, we know that this is what we need to do, but then the work that it takes, to actually get into it and do something.
1: Well, I think the, and, and that's really why I created Bubbins, right? I, like it blew my mind that everyone loves rescue dogs, right? But mm-hmm. there's no rescue dog mascot. You know, it's not Scooby. It's not right. the Paw Patrol people. You know, the rescue world needs a central character for, for the rescue world to rally around, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole goal is to make Bubbins that central character where you know kids recognize bubbins as a rescue dog so when it's time for kids to you know to go get a dog when the parents say you know let's go to this breeder or let's go to this puppy store they say no mom no dad i want to go to the shelter and i want to get a bubbins and 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 you know but but kids you need you need to put that into their mind in a in a fun and entertaining and emotionally captivating way instead of you know just showing them pictures of sad dogs in the shelter. Right. right. We want kids to get excited about rescue dogs, not just feel bad for them.
0: Yeah, for sure. What about the parents who think, oh, I don't know, rescue dogs? You don't know where they've been. You don't know what their history is. What do you say to parents like that?
1: Um, so I would say two things. I would say one, you know, make sure you're working with a reputable shelter and a reputable, um, you know, rescue, because they always do, you know, they'll do a good job of of vetting the dogs as best they can. Of course, there is never gonna be, you know, a sure thing, but, you you know, as a parent, you also have to be mindful, you know, of your situation. Are you living in a small apartment? You know, do you have a backyard? Are you going to be home? Are you gonna be able to to give that dog the time and effort that's necessary? Are they gonna be able to get outside and get exercise? And um, at the same time, I think that it is, it's, it's imperative that people understand that just because you go get a puppy from a breeder doesn't mean that dog is not going to have any issues. For example, I tell people, you know, if you go get a dog who's five or six years old at the shelter, you know, this dog may already be potty trained. This dog may already be socialized around other dogs. This dog may already be socialized around kids. This dog, you'll know if this dog is going to be able to go in a car or not, right? To, right. Be, to, be, to travel. So as much as people say that rescue dogs are unknowns, I think they're a lot of times more known than just getting a puppy.
0: Right, I mean, especially with breeding, there's so much that you have to take into consideration I mean, what is the mom like? What is the dad like? Are their personalities compatible? And so if you're just going to buy a cute puppy because it's cute, you've no know, it's so much more unknown. I agree. I mean, when absolutely. you go to the shelter, you see what you're getting. Yeah. Um, uh, absolutely. The shelter staff work with them and
1: absolutely. And another thing is another thing is, you know, a great thing that, you know, rescues do is they they allow you to foster, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're If you're unsure, if a rescue dog is the right fit for you, right, go speak with a local rescue, you know, again, a a reputable rescue. And they'll tell you which dog that, you know, they think would be a good fit for you. And then you can try and you can see if that dog actually works for you. And if the dog doesn't work for you, that's okay. Then you can give the dog back and maybe you can try and foster another dog. Whereas if you go to a breeder, you get a puppy, the dog grows up, you know, after six months, you realize you don't want the dog. Now you can't give the dog back. The dog's most likely going to end up at a shelter.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, No, and that is a really good option to foster and see, you know, maybe uh, this rescue needs one for just a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Then you can see if actually having a dog, if, you know, your kids are going to help take care of them, (laughs) help help take care of them, (laughs) or maybe a stuffed bubbins is just the ticket.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, just try it, try it out and make sure, you know, it's a good fit. You don't want to jump into something where, you know, now you've, you've committed to, you know, taking care of that living being for the rest of its life. And all of a sudden, six months later, you're like, you know, it's not compatible with my lifestyle. The This dog doesn't get along with my other dog. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, threatening to my children, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the situation you want to find yourself in. So it is, it is actually more of a known <laughs> to go with a dog that you can foster that comes from a shelter or a rescue that has already shown the proper behavior that would fit the lifestyle that you're looking to live.
0: Yeah. So what are some tips do you, or do you have any tips for families who are thinking about working with going to a rescue to adopt or to foster? I mean, what are some things that you think they should look out for?
1: Well, I definitely think, you know, you want to look out for rescues that are not just that the harder the process is normally the more reputable the rescue is right if a rescue is just willing to to drive by your house and you know just let the dog run out the door right into your house probably not a rescue that you want to work with you know they should be coming they should be doing a home check you know if you have kids you you know they they should be asking you all of these questions up front to make sure you know if you do have kids to make sure the dog is the right fit you know they want to know is your is your home a safe and secure space, right? Do you have a place where this dog is going to be able to to you know exist with your family. So I think, you know, sometimes people get a little perturbed by how lengthy the adoption process can be, but at the same time, that's ensuring that not only is it a good fit for the rescue to give the dog to you, but it's a good fit for you to to actually take the dog. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. So Absolutely. And I would say, you know, and if, and if it doesn't work out with one rescue, then, then, you know, I've heard that several times, actually, I now live in South Carolina, and I've heard it, probably from from three or four people, um, you know, just in the area that we live, because, you know, they they all see Mac, and he's, he's an incredible dog, and he's great with all dogs and all kids, and they can't believe that he's a rescue dog. Right now, he's. You know we got him a year and a half ago and you know he's probably 10 or 11 years old right so who knows what he he went through i mean he was found you know wandering the streets um but yeah you know it's it's so important to give these to give these dogs a chance
0: yeah and mac is a pit bull type too right
1: he is something we do not know he's <laughs> like a pit bull mixed with a dinosaur oh my goodness and, <laughs> and a uh, and he, he's probably got a little bit of like bulldog or mastiff in him, um, yeah. but he's just, I mean, just to see the the growth that he's had, you know, when we, when we, we were going to um, the Newark Humane Society and we were regularly volunteering there to go and walk the dogs. And it just happened that a day or two before we went, I had seen Mac, um, you know, on Instagram and my wife and I have a soft place in our heart for the, you know, the senior dogs because they often get overlooked and the odds of them getting homes are are slim to none. So, you know, we asked if we could walk him um, and he didn't even have a name at that time. He'd been in the shelter for, I think, about three or four months and he hadn't even been named. Oh my God. Um, so they, they brought him out and his back legs were pretty much shot and he was like so wobbly. And when he would try to go to the bathroom, he would just like fall over. Um, And to see the transformation that he's gone through, if anyone checks out our Instagram, you'll see him running down the street, you know, in his pajamas in the snow or running down, you know, a back wooded trail with, you know, kids around. And it's just, it is so amazing and rewarding to see how far, you know, a dog that was found homeless on the streets of Newark with fleas and mange has come, you know?
0: For sure. What would you say to people who are like, ooh, pits, I don't know, or if you don't know their breed, how do you really know? Yeah. Well, I think
1: that, you know, what is breed, right? Breed is just like color. Okay. For, for, for people, you know, you can, you cannot judge a person by their color. You cannot judge a dog by, by their breed. I mean, you know, you can say, okay, that, you know, a pit bull is a big dog. It is a powerful dog. You know um, I want to be cautious and that's perfectly fine. You know, again, you have to make sure that it's a the right situation for your family, and that comes with doing you know your personal personal due diligence, right, and and preparing your home. And that also comes with again finding a reputable rescue, finding a reputable shelter who has already temperament tested that dog, has already you know brought that dog around other dogs and children and people, and made sure that this dog can handle the environment that you know, you have. So I would say no matter whether it's a chihuahua, a lab or a pit bull, you know, you have to do your due diligence and you have to make sure that the the group or individuals that you're, you know, receiving the dog from are, are vetting the dog ahead of time also. So, you know, I don't think it really matters if, you know whether it's a pit bull or Rottweil or a German Shepherd or a, or a, a Shih Tzu, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter in my opinion,
0: yeah. you know? Oh, I definitely agree. We have a little pocket pit that we rescued from the shelter and she is, she's a bundle of energy. She's so much fun, but it has none of those characteristics that people would want you to think that pits have. Like, yeah. she just is a lover. Um, I mean, you can do whatever you want, play with her any way that you yep. want. And I, it's, it's just so funny to me to see how how nervous people can be around this dog just based on yeah. what they've heard
1: well it's, it's again what does that come back to that comes back to education right yeah. it comes back to education and you know when we go into the schools and and, uh, you know, we teach kids about rescue dogs and animal shelters. We also teach them safety tips, right? We also teach them, you know, the three yeses before you can pet a dog. You know, you gotta ask your parent or guardian, you gotta ask the dog's owner, and then you gotta let the dog sniff you to make sure that the dog is interested in, in hanging out with you. You know, we teach the kids about the fact that if you see a stray dog, you know, you should not go and approach that dog and try and, and, and get that dog yourself. You know, you always wanna go to an adult, don't put yourself in danger, safety first. So, you know, it rescue education is is not just about you know you know what are rescue dogs and what are animal shelters it's also about the responsibility of of teaching people to to appropriately interact with their pets right because that's how a lot of pets end up in shelters is that they don't do the three s's whether you're an adult or you're a kid and then someone ends up getting bit or Mm -hmm. you know or something, you know, terrible happens and the dog has to be removed from the home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, education is is paramount, not just for you know saving the dogs that are in the shelters now, but also ensuring that less dogs enter the shelters, right?
0: Yeah. That's so good. I mean, as much as I've looked into bubbins and read the books, like yes, that is huge. The the what happens after you bring the dog home, yeah. making sure that that the education plays into that.
1: Mm-hmm absolutely oh good
0: so where can people find out more about bubbins
1: uh so they can go to our instagram which is the dot real dot bubbins they can head over to facebook which is belly rubbins for bubbins or they can go to our website which is belly rubbins for com. um and yeah we're uh we're very blessed to have a um a very large social media following who, you know, understands the importance and the uniqueness, I believe, of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, So we're very grateful. And if anyone wants to check us out on any of those platforms, we'd be very appreciative of you, you know, joining in and supporting our human education movement.
0: Yes, that's awesome. And then have you guys been doing a lot of human education with Zoom school?
1: yeah so actually um we've done a few um virtual human education workshops i've actually got one tomorrow with a school in uh in north carolina and that's been pretty cool is that you know we were doing them really locally in new york um in new jersey because that's where we were living at the time we were living about 20 minutes outside of new york city in northern new jersey but now that things have gone virtual (laughs) you know we can do them anywhere i've done uh you know um i think one in california one in Jersey, and now we're gonna be doing one in North Carolina. So, you know, we could even do it overseas, right? So.
0: Yes, that's oh, that is a very good point. Yeah,
1: it's just uh, allowing us to, to reach a, a greater audience. And uh, we're very thankful for all of the schools and all of the teachers and administrators who have, you know, made room for us and allowed us to come in and teach these pivotal lessons to their kids.
0: Yes, oh, this is so great. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate Absolutely. your time.